This meeting is being recorded. How's it going, guys? Uh, long overdue. Um, actually going going through some changes for the podcast, so apologies for the delay. Um, my co-host Marco just decided that he was a little bit too busy, um, you know, to each his own. So not sure exactly about the next directions of the pod, but uh, for the meantime, just wanted to get some content out and thought a great um, fill-in and, you know, possibly co-host for the future would be my brother, Kelvin, um, who has a big history with the game himself. So, Kel, why don't you, you know, tell the people a little bit about yourself and um, your history and fandom of the game. Okay. Uh, hi, guys. I'm Kelvin. Uh, like Ethan mentioned, uh, uh, I'm his brother. Uh, we're talking about the NBA constantly, uh, just about every day. Um, I was a team manager in high school and then also in college uh, at LeMoyne College. Uh, never played other than recreationally, but love the game, love watching it, love talking about it. So, uh, you know, figured might as well give this shit give this a shot and see where it goes from there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So sounds good. Um, yeah. So, I mean, had a bit of success at LeMoyne. Um, they, you know, you guys went far in the D2 tournament a couple of times there. Um, so kind of just like, you know, seeing the game at a higher level um, from the inside than, you know, myself and even Marco and, you know, really a lot of people. So, you know, maybe be able to talk a little bit more like analytically and just like schematically um, versus just like the normal viewers. And, uh, you know, I'm sure the audience, whoever's listening would greatly benefit from hearing some of that. So yeah, I'm pretty excited to have you on and, you know, just kind of get the ball rolling with this again. So appreciate, appreciate you coming on and, yeah, I, um, so it's been a while since we talked. It was uh, mid-January and things were going on, but there's been a lot that's happened um, in that time. Not all of it, you know, predictable for sure, but I would say some of the biggest news, you know, we got to give it up and, you know, you being a LeBron guy, so let's talk a little bit about <laughs> uh breaking the record well deserved and you know he as much as the lakers have struggled continues to perform at a super high level and um that game against okc you know whatever i think he needed 16 coming out of the half and he got it in the third quarter which was pretty special so did you have any thoughts or, you know, just generally about that? Um, I thought just, you know, his whole mentality was kind of a lot different than what we normally see. Like he was in attack mode looking for his own shot from the jump. And, you know, he's always kind of been a guy, especially later in his career, he tries to get everybody else involved first. Um, you know, this was as shot hungry as I've seen him. Yeah start a game, you know, not even like being hot or like in a rhythm to start, just like starting looking for his own shot right away. And then, um, you know, he had the possession. I think he hit like two back-to-back -back threes. Yeah. 
yeah. um, within the first couple minutes of the third quarter. And I think that got it down to like 10 or eight or something. And then I don't know, you could just kind of sense that it was coming uh, pretty soon after that. Yeah. I, I think um, part of those last 10 were like a couple transition, you know, Lakers actually got some stops and, you know, he <laughs> reaped the benefit of that. So it was, um, it was just great to see, um, especially being, you know, East Coast guys, like with the primetime West schedule. Um, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, my roommate, Zach, actually, you know, as soon as he got it, he was like, all right, I'm going to bed. Like, I don't need to catch the end of this. So when I was in that, I was in yeah. that camp too. Right, right. So it, it was cool to see it. Um, it's just crazy to see, like, in the, in the past couple of years, back to back, we see Curry break the three-point record and now LeBron – get the scoring record, both of which, you know, were tremendous. But I'd just say that Kareem's was pretty much deemed, like, untouchable for the longest time, whereas the three-point is just, like, the way the game has changed. It was sort of an inevitable event. And, I'm you know, obviously Steph still has a lot in the tank, and, you know, everyone is continuing to add to that record, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, some of the young guys, I don't know, Trey Young comes to mind. Um, I would say maybe if Dame were a little bit younger, but just these guys who really get them up in volume and knock them down at a high efficiency, it's like, who knows? Like, I would say it wouldn't be overly surprising if the three-point was broken again, whereas, yeah, you know, I'd say maybe LeBron has three or four years left and it's like, he's continuing to add. I, I don't know. It never say never, but it's going to be hard obviously for anyone to touch that. Yeah. I mean, as you say, I think the three point record, you know, not to diminish what Steph's done at all, but if you, you know, if you look at even his first couple of years, like, yeah. as great a shooter as he was like shooting 40% from the line, essentially like in, you know, within a percentage point or two from the moment he stepped in the league and he still started his, his career shooting like, you know, 3.5, 4.5 a game on average. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, look, and there are rookies coming in shooting like seven or eight immediately with way less percentage. So that's just, you know, that's a numbers game more than anything. Um, yeah. calling out Jalen Green, I see. <laughs> nah, just I mean, any any young guard, I feel like you know the three point is emphasized so much that they almost put guys in a position where they're like, you know, we want you to shoot that shot, regardless of if, if it's really to your strength or not. Right, just because all the analytical, you know, yeah, uh, you know, changes and just seeing about like points per shot, stuff like that. So, I mean, it is what it is, but, you know, kudos to LeBron, honestly. Um, it, it was a cool moment. Um, I thought it was funny how he brought back out the headband for that game, just cause it's, you know, he's, he left that in the past, but it was cool. Um, and yeah, I think, it's one of those other things where it's like the Lakers lost the game. So it's tough to be like overly celebratory. Um, 
I don't know if you saw like AD like did not stand up and like celebrate LeBron and then he was like asked about it and he was like yeah I was just like focused on the game but I thought that was a major red flag like for their team because I mean AD is the young one he's supposed to kind of be the one who's taking the shouldering of the load as LeBron like enters the twilight of his career but he's always hurt and then to not to see him not celebrate such a historic moment for you know the guy who who actively sought to get him to LA everything they gave up for that is its own discussion but hey they got they got a ring like AD was not going to get a ring without LeBron it's just crazy to me to to see him not like be supportive like that I don't know if yeah I'm reading too far into it but it was definitely a headline um I I didn't notice that in the moment but I certainly saw the headlines after the fact you know I think first of all it speaks to just you know how much of a microscope the Lakers are under on a day-to-day basis like you know it seems like you know any something as trivial as not standing up in a given moment can be a headline for them, but right. um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's so much that we as fans don't know behind closed doors, no. you know, who knows if it's really, you know, much of a big deal or not, but yeah. I mean, to your point, you know, the the plan was for, you know, Davis to kind of um, take the responsibility during the regular season so that LeBron could, you know, be at his absolute peak for the postseason and as you stated that just has not happened in any way shape or form the last couple years so right yeah um so i don't know we'll see we'll see man um i saw this tweet that was like the lakers are about to hang their third straight nobody wants to see us in the playoffs banner and it's like honestly we'll see we'll see if they make it um I am in the party that just as how good with as how, uh, excuse me, I'm fumbling my words, but how good LeBron's been, it's hard to ever count them out in a seven game series. With that said, they've missed the playoffs last year. They're on track to miss the playoffs again this year. And they lost in six the last time they made it in the first round so it's just it's it's wild I will say the Lakers improved their roster at the trade deadline um, pretty substantially so uh, that kind of leads us into our next segment um, talking about the trade deadline but I guess briefly while we're on the Lakers it's just funny how things come full circle and now they bring D'Lo back, um, you know, with the whole fallout with the Swaggy P thing. And, you know, he's a, he's a great player um, and he's a, a lot better of a shooter than Westbrook and, you know, Pat Bev and some of the guys that they had on the team. So, um, you know, any thoughts you had uh, regarding their moves? I mean, you said it, they needed a guy that could shoot the three at the guard position and create his own shot for a three. And that's what Devo can do. Um, I'm drawing a blank on who they played their first game with. 
might have been Portland. I know Portland was one of the two. There was another one, kind of regardless to the point, but yeah, but um, he hit like back to back like pull up threes in the third quarter to kind of give them a little bit of breathing room, and that's just you know a guard coming down and hitting pull up threes back to back is something that's been few and far between for them. Um, and I think it's kind of a perfect situation for him. He'll be the de facto point guard, but he won't have to generate like shots for other people and focus on that as much. He'll be, you know, um, he was actually catching and shooting a lot in Minnesota. They had kind of transitioned Anthony Edwards into more of a like uh, creator role and just tried to grow his game that way. So I think he's a pretty seamless fit. Um, you know, defensively, he's uh, not great, and neither was Westbrook. So it'll be interesting to see how they try to plug those holes. But right. um, I think Jared Vanderbilt was actually maybe the, maybe the most consequential player for them just in terms of being able to win, um, just in his ability to switch, guard multiple positions, and just be active. Right, just like sort of three and D guy. Um... Yeah, it looked like actually uh, the the new look team with, without LeBron, but their first game was against Golden State. They got the win. Obviously, the dubs are depleted, but yeah, it's um it's tough to count them out because now they actually have a a new roster. So it's like their record isn't a reflection of their current team. With that said, it's still a pretty big hole for them to jump out of. Yeah, they're gonna have to teams ahead of them. Um, and then say they make it, say they make the play in, which they're nine, ten, they're two to two and a half games out of. That's not a guarantee. Like you have to win two games before you lose one. Exactly. And so we'll we'll see. Um and you know, um, but you know, forget about the play in even for right now, they're gonna have to play, you know probably win 75% of their games to even give themselves a shot, you know. Right. They've looked great, but I think they have 23 games left. Can they yeah. go 18 and 5 or 17 and 6 or something like that down the stretch to give themselves a shot? You know, we'll yeah. see. Which is uh, – I, I I saw LeBron said he was like, I'm not missing, you know, another game. Like these are so, like 23 of the most important games of my career, which – Seems a bit astronomical of a statement, but yeah, I, some I think he was referring to regular season, but yeah. the, the quote certainly is eyebrow raising, right. especially when you're talking about someone that was in eight straight finals at one point. Yeah, it's a little polarizing, but it, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Um, but yeah, they improved their team. Um, I was just happy that the Kyrie that they didn't get Kyrie for nothing because when you looked at their assets, they really didn't have much like in my, in my eyes, call me a hater. Um, But to get to return a a talent like Kyrie for the packages they could have offered just in no world would have made sense other than teams helping the Lakers and helping LeBron, which seems to be a recurring theme. Um, even honestly, the the D'Angelo and Vanderbilt trade, the assets that the Wolves got aren't really from the Lakers. I don't, 
I'm forgetting if how many picks were involved, but their main get was Conley from Utah. So I wouldn't call, you know, the picks, which, you know, I wouldn't really call that. Um, like th- these players just find a way on the Lakers. It's just kind of ridiculous to me, but that's what happens when you play in a big market, I guess. Yeah. I mean, to your point, you know, the cupboard is bare in Los Angeles in terms of assets for a trade. The cupboard had been bare um, for yeah. quite some time now. So, you know, they really scraped to the bottom of the barrel to get this and it had better work because they don't have anything left to give. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you can talk about, you know, the cap room they'll have from having Westbrook's contract, you know, gone, but off the books for next season. And, you know, does a free agent want to go there? Maybe, but, you know, that seems to be a discussion for like the last 10 years or so. And, right. you know, really not that many Mikey guys have wanted to go there. So, yeah. And we'll I would see. say uh, just last thing about the Lakers before we move on, because we're kind of talking too much about them. But the last thing just being, you know, D'Lo, a guy who really has the ball in his hands a lot, he can be a spot up shooter. But it's just one of those things where it's like, what when you have LeBron who really has the ball so much, it's like it's always just interesting to see how that fit's going to be. And LeBron didn't play any of these games with the new roster because he's nursing the injury. So we'll just have to see how that plays out. But yeah, I mean he he's played the one, but yeah, to yeah. your point, they've had they've had one rep of that. Um, you know, obviously, you know, guys are going to play complimentary roles for better or worse. That's what happens when you play with LeBron. Um, And, you know, uh, can they adjust to that? And can he maybe look at the talent they have and adjust to, you know, being off the ball and kind of letting other guys, you know, carry a little more of the load? We'll see. Yeah. Um, Agreed. So, yeah, moving on to the other dominoes really coming out of Brooklyn. So, Man, this is a crazy league and, you know, with player empowerment, um, I just was so shocked um, because it's the article that I read was that the trade request from Kyrie was more of a financial thing than anything because he was, you know, the Nets went on a crazy hot streak with him and KD together I think they were they won like 20 out of 22 or something. KD goes down. The Nets definitely fell off a little, but Kyrie was keeping them afloat and he was putting up dumb numbers. And in that moment, he's like, my value is at an all-time high because I'm keeping this team good without KD. The rest of their roster has some holes in it um, as, you know, residually from the Harden to Ben Simmons trade. And then he was just like, if I can't get my max value, if I can't get a contract now, I'm going to see my way out. Which was crazy because when KD got back, they still not saying they're a favorite, but could have won. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the hottest streak in the NBA it's just wild that a contender just vanished like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, 
the domino effect of that being KD to Phoenix is just absolutely nuts because the the package that they got for Kyrie from the Mavs, including Dinwiddie and Finney Smith, it's my understanding that that trade was made because those guys were going to be complementary pieces to KD. Otherwise, they would have taken a more pick-based pack. And now KD is like, look, like this marriage has run its course. And then, you know, Phoenix making the move. Um, and the article I read on, about that was that he was like, if you're not going to trade me to Phoenix, I don't want to go to any other team and I'll play out the rest of this year, which then would have opened the bidding to other teams following this season. So the Suns kind of had an isolated window to get it done. And, you know, by the grace of God, they did. It's just an absolutely wild, you know, just not expected after the whole fallout from the summer. So, I mean, that was a lot of me talking. So let's hear some of your thoughts. I mean, to your point, um, you know, that the Nets really appeared to be a contender, you know, you go into a playoff series with a healthy Durant and a healthy Irving on the same team, you know, that's two of the all-time shot creators in the history of this league, and you have to guard both of them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just to see that disintegrate, you know, in essentially a week. <laughs> yeah. It was five days after Kyrie's trade request. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. you know, I, I read an article that kind of discussed – you know, um, you know, Brooklyn had some assets in 2013. They make the ill-fated trade for Pearson Garnett and, you know, mortgage their future. And then, you know, they double down and, you know, get superstars. And, you know, you would have never thought you would compare those two trades. But really, you know, uh, quite similarly, you know, this era for Brooklyn has also been an abject failure. Yeah, no um, kidding. And, uh, you know, they've gotten a couple of picks, but they've really dug themselves quite a hole in terms of not having future assets. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they do have a bunch of good players. It, you know, it could be like in 2019 or uh, 2018 when they have a bunch of likable guys and, uh, you know, they'll be a league pass favorite for sure. But just right. people were saying, you know, so many comparisons to those Dinwiddie and uh, D'Angelo teams. So I was fitting to see some of those with Dinwiddie being back. But, you know, they've got a lot of young guys um, interchangeably, uh, you know, defensively, a lot of switching. They have kind of a log jam at the wings now with uh, the twins and Finney Smith. Um, so it, in uh, Utah, like it'll just be interesting to see how it all shakes out because I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it, all, you can't really play them all. No, I mean, it. you know, it's easier now, obviously, with it being Joe Harris to positionless, but, yeah. you know, it's still, you know, just too many guys to all keep happy. Yeah. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, yeah. You know, I, I can say as a Knicks fan, I thought for sure when they signed Durant and Irving, they would have at least, you know, one run to the finals to show for, you know, you never know if you won the championship, but I thought for sure we would see that team in the finals. So, yeah, you know, the um, whole thing 
has been shocking to say the least. Right. I mean, let's not forget they were pretty close against the Bucks with KD's foot on the line. Yeah, um, absolutely. So it's That's just sad point. to see, you know, when you have all that talent on a team for it to not work. But, you know, we really don't need to get into all the reasons why they weren't on the court together. But it's just sad. Like, because I think whatever, it was 16 games, the three of them played together. Arden, I think, saw the light at the tunnel, saw the light at the end of the tunnel before really the wrestling was like, give me out because I don't want to be, you know, stranded on this ship that's going down. And then yeah. here we are. And uh, yeah, I will just say, um, you know, as a Suns fan, I would greatly miss Bridges and Cam, uh, even like Jay Crowder, you know, terrible ending with the team, but you know, he had one of those great moments with the alley-oop to Aiton in game two of the conference finals. Very likable guy, brought a winning culture to Phoenix. So, you know, we'll just miss him and, you know, wish the guys in Brooklyn the best. Definitely just, you know, being in New York, very excited to see more of them live. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to going to some games and, you know, just interesting to see what they'll be able to do with a lot more freedom offensively. I know Mikhail just had 45 in I think his second or third game with the team. So it's kind of like a sky's the limit thing. They clearly, you know, held Phoenix near and dear to their heart. So it's nice to see um, just that it's like, it's a mutual thing. Like they felt the love and, I'll just say one more thing about as excited as I am for KD to be on the team. It's just such a different feeling because I've said this to a couple of people off camera, but it's like the team as it was constructed a week ago was so close to winning a title, right? Like up to O against the bucks and they implode. Giannis does historic things. It is what it is. They lose to the Mavs the next year, but it's like they still have all these homegrown guys, which I feel like is so rare in this like super team era to make it all that way and win. I'm not just saying like, oh, like Giannis, you know, being a guy who stayed in his drafted city is a like super applaudable kudos to him. But it's like the whole hierarchy of that Phoenix team was they were all on the worst team in the NBA pretty much they clicked in the COVID bubble enough so to like recruit CP3 and Crowder and then that team I, I mean I was still considered homegrown because you had four of the most like valuable pieces in book A and McCall and Cam all being drafted cool. by the organization and like just the core being so young so it's just, it will just be a different feeling because now I think even with all the success they had in the bubble and then in that regular season, I think they were the two or three seed, won like 55 games, whatever. People still really weren't talking about them because, oh, the inexperience, the yada, yada, yada. So now it's just like, you know, they're, if not the favorite, one of the favorites. And they push all the chips in to go get, you know, one of the best players ever. So that's a crazy thing. It's just like, it's not going to feel the same. Like, I don't know if 
if you feel that way, but no, I, I agree. I think it's comparable in some respects to, you know, the Thunder, um, you know, after 2012, obviously, you know, a lot of young homegrown guys and, you know, they're right there. And then, you know, everything just kind of falls apart. Um, you know, obviously I think with CP3's age being what it is, you know, you kind of had to push all the chips in now and go for it. Um, Which I, I think is a great move. Like I'm very happy that first of all, just the, the Sarver error is just, it's totally kicked. It's done as bad. Yeah. And I'm not trying to at all undermine the terrible misogynist and racist things that he did. With that said, just I'm so happy to see not the shallow pockets in ownership because it's like how many teams, even really before I was, you know, growing up, became a Suns fan in like 07, they already had missed like two good runs prior to that with Amari getting hurt. They didn't re-sign Joe Johnson, like all yeah. of these they traded Marion because they didn't want to pay him all of these yeah. revolving around someone who's just like, I don't want to pay the luxury tax. You get the new owner in. he immediately trades to take in one of the fattest contracts in the NBA. But even on top of all that, because any owner should realistically go get KD if he's on the table and wants to play for your team. I was really happy to see that they signed Terrence Ross from the buyout market because despite his salary being low, the tax implications on that were massive. So you see that. And that's like, this dude is just like committed to winning. Yeah. Like, I mean, oh, you know, yes. it, like it's not every, you know, as a Knicks fan, you know about, Oh, I know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, And I mean, you know, Maybe I'm not exactly correct on the stat. I believe he paid the most money ever to purchase a franchise. So that is you know. true. I will just say that I think with the infrequency of teams being on the market and just the way the economy is going, I feel like pretty much any team in a I, Phoenix is by no means a prime market, but it's a warm weather place. It's yep. close enough to like LA being a big market. Yep. They already have stars, book, CP. I feel like the valuation was very high, but any other, you know, like if a lot of teams go for sale, I wouldn't be surprised if it's broken the next NBA team that gets sold. Yeah, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, yeah, and I mean, Ross looked great in his first game with you guys, you know, gives you another shot creator. Um, and, uh, you know, I think KD is the ultimate guy you can just plug into any system and he's a seamless fit. So, you know, this is certainly the window for you guys and, you know, hope, hopefully you get it done. Yeah. Uh, amen. Um, it's just a crazy, obviously with KD, you know, coming off the injury, I think his first game is supposed to be uh, Friday at o or hosting OKC. So kind of, you know, another full circle moment. But yeah. I'm just so excited to see the potentials. And I know as seamless as 
Katie is, it's going to be um, like a bit of a transition period, but I'm just like staying up at night thinking about the options because it's like, if you have a CP three and eight and pick and roll, you can't leave Booker and Durant. You can't help off them. But you could run so many iterations of the pick and roll, like a Booker KD pick and roll, a KD eight and pick and roll. It's just like it, it's wild. exactly. So I'm just exactly. I'm just excited to see it actually happen. Um, you know, it's just crazy to be like a Suns fan. Like things like this don't happen because you know, say what you will about like the locations of you know, where stars go. But this really is, unless I'm forgetting something, one of the biggest trades with a star who the team had all the leverage with, like, we have you for contract under three more years, and you're, like, a top five player. These players don't get moved. Yeah, I mean, I think to your point with the player empowerment thing, you know, three years – now isn't what three years was, you know, even five years ago. But, um, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. To your point, generally, those guys don't get moved. And, you know, and he offered to continue to play out the year. And, you know, it, um, I don't know. As Brooklyn, I would have been tempted to roll with that, honestly, just because the guy's that good. But, right. Yeah, it's tough because I don't know. You know, you ne- you obviously don't want to lose Kyrie for nothing, but I almost feel like you take a shot. But who knows? He maybe he would have sat out. So you know, we'll never know. It's over. It's on on to the next thing. Um, kind of winding down just for a few minutes, but wanted to just uh, leave the floor to if you want to talk about the Josh Hart trade at all, because I would just say. You know, good ad for you guys because Reddish was dead weight on the end of the bench. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely a good ad for us. Uh, You know, quintessential glue guy, um, you know, does all the little things that impact winning. Um, I can say watching the few games he's played, um, there just seems to be kind of a calming presence that he has on our guys when the other team starts to make a run and, you know, he helps us get a stop and it's like, okay, was 11. Now it's back up to 15, you know, a couple plays later. And, you know, now it feels like we're safe again. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you I, know, think... I can say watching this team all year, it's kind of been no lead feels safe with us, yeah. but you know, knock on wood that that'll start to change. Um, you know, when we got the trade, you know, I've looked at his uh, three-point shooting numbers and, you know, they weren't great. I wouldn't even call them, you know, he was below average, but, you know, um, you know, the three games he's had with us, he's nine of 14 from three. Obviously that's not sustainable, but the looks have mostly been uncontested corner threes. So, you know, if he can knock them down at like a 36 or 30, 37% rate, you know, I think that's really all we need. Right. That's um, a win. And I'd say with the calming presence, I think that's no coincidence. 
just the chemistry that him and uh, JB have together. Absolutely. Um, so that's like a tremendous add. I don't know if you saw the live reaction because I think Brunson was at Villanova getting his jersey retired. Yeah. Someone like showed him and he was like, oh, like jumping around. Like that was such a cool moment. And it's like these guys have, you know, real friendships and, you know, adding a guy like that on the team. Yeah. It's a major win. And, you know, as much as New York was criticized for paying Brunson like that over the summer, it's looking to be a tremendous value He's brought so yeah, much you, to the team. I thought, he star. I thought he should have been an all-star over Randall. So, I mean, I would it agree. is what it is. But, yeah, he's been great. So, I mean, the Knicks sitting sixth right now. We really only have like a minute left, but a couple quick hitters. Growing up, I remember the all-star game being like the midpoint of the season. Now there's less than 25 games left. That doesn't seem right. I know they keep moving the season up, you know, to, you know, reduce back-to-backs and all that, but. Yeah, I, I don't think it was ever exactly the midpoint. I think it was more like closer to 50 games, but, right. you know, still like 50 versus 60 is a big gap. I mean, we're three quarters of the way through the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it to a degree, when you're that far in, it almost kind of seems like why do it? Like, why not just finish it out? Um, right. I, I understand giving the players a break. I think it's fine to send them on vacation for a week. Um, you know, I'm not a huge, like, watcher of the All-Star game. You know, I, I tried. I watched the first quarter. I saw nothing but a layup drill, and I was like, all right, like, yeah. th- this isn't competitive. Um, it never know, I think is more competitive. But I think when we were kids, it was a little more competitive. Like, guys would at least – you know, play the second half with a little more energy and effort. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, I think the tribute to Kobe in 2020, it was competitive for that year. But, yeah, you know, there was, that no, doesn't defense. Seem there was no defense. Um, shout out to Tatum. He did his thing. That was cool. Him and Jalen guarding each other. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but we will look to be more frequent. And, you know, great having you on. Hopefully, you know, the audience will stick with us. So thanks. Thanks for coming on. Uh, 